This is the Game of Life, where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. Welcome to the Game of Life, Season 2, Episode Number 11. I'm your host, Gail Nelson, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Miami, and I'm pleased to be uh, joined today by a brother that is making it happen for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Atlanta, CEO, Big Brothers Big Sisters of Atlanta, Kwame Johnson. How you doing, brother? Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you having me here. Well, I tell you what, you came to town. Why, yeah. why are you in Miami anyway, brother? Listen, anytime I get an invitation, to, <laughs> an excuse to come to 85-degree weather, man, um, but to support you all for your gala, which was amazing, man. I was Thank impressed. You. I took a lot of notes. I'm going to take that back to Atlanta, and we got our gala coming up in uh, September. So look forward Excellent. to you know, taking what we learned here. And that's part. That's that's what it's all about. When it's not about competition, it's collaboration. Yes. Uh, and I think as leaders, we have an opportunity, an obligation, responsibility to help one another out. And so when you when we were just talking, just texting back and forth, and for you to have you down here in Miami is uh, to join to see our event take place, but also just to see our operation as well. Yes. Uh, we and let's just state the obvious: uh, diversity and leadership. Uh, how important is it to have a diverse leadership in your mind? Just leadership as a whole, not just within the Big Brothers Big Sisters space. We'll go there in a minute. But I think leadership, diversity in any boardroom, corporate room, exec, the executive leadership. Uh, how important is diversity, uh, Kwame? It's very important, and you know, I'm I'm happy to share that our office, uh, my leadership team is very diverse. Um, but it's it's super important. You got to have different mindsets, different experiences at the table. And uh, too often in the nonprofit sector, even, you know, corporate, you name it, um, diversity is a challenge. Many organizations struggle with it. So it's important. You know, I look up to folks like you and uh, Marcus and Philly and, you know, shout folks who, Marcus. you know, big shout out to Marcus. He's going to be jealous. Too. Exactly. Like, why am I not in the podcast? <laughs> Come to Miami, brother. You get a free ticket. Exactly. He, he just had a big birthday. For his birthday, yes. I guess they do a big fundraiser. They gave back. Yeah. And they give, I think they raised $40,000 or something excellent. like that. That's excellent. Yeah. That's a birthday. Yeah. But no, diversity is very important. And when I think about that, uh, and I still see it on, you know, LinkedIn and primarily LinkedIn from the professional networking standpoint, the first, yeah, the first, and we're talking major companies that have been around mm -hmm. for a long time, yeah. the first female, the first black man, the first black, and I'm thinking, wow, it's so easy to have a blind spot. Uh, and if you don't, if you're not in the room, and when you see the face of leadership, yeah. when we ask, I remember when I was in school and uh, growing up in Toledo, Ohio, inner city Toledo, Ohio, where everybody looked just like me, mm -hmm. and people would ask me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, our children, when they, th when you think about what they want to be when they grow up, uh, if they never see themselves or anyone else like them in positions of leadership, it's can be pretty daunting and it can really suppress their growth as well. No, you're right. You got to see it to believe it. You yes. know, I, I think with young people, I tell people all the time, young people want to see, a, they don't want to hear a testimony. They want to see one, right? Yes. They don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see a sermon. That's all right. Amen. <laughs> That's exactly and, right. And uh, so I think, you know, you know, we are great examples of that, right? You and me. I was actually at a high school uh, earlier in the week, uh, Thorough High School on the south side of Atlanta. About 150 kids I was talking to, junior and seniors. And I said, have any of you all heard of nonprofit? 
No one raised their hand. Wow. No one raised their hand. And I said, you know, and I went through this whole thing of educating them about, like, listen, this is a sector, billion-dollar sector. There's yes. jobs. There's opportunity. Look at me. You can do well and give back. You can do well and do good at the same time. But many of them didn't even know it. And I think that's part of the problem with diversity is young people don't even know a lot of opportunities out there that are right. for them. Yeah, That's exactly right. And when you yeah. – exposure. So not only yeah. making sure the room is well-balanced. Yes. So there's no blind spots because, yeah. quite frankly, and it's not so much – and, you know, people throw out this R word in terms of racism and all that. But – yeah, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. But s- some folks, it just may be a simple blind spot because you don't have the voices in the room. Yes. And there's no ill intent. There's no malice. But if you never get a, v- a different vantage point in terms of the organization and leadership, then you're missing out on an opportunity. Yes. And, and so with that in mind, uh, I mentioned earlier stating the obvious. Here we are, two black men leading mm-hmm. two major markets for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Atlanta and Miami. Last time I checked, those are two very significant markets. Yes. Uh, how's that feel to you? Because, again, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America, we have an obligation, not only in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, we need to, the seven out of ten kids we serve nationwide and locally look just like you and me. Mm-hmm. So here's an opportunity. And so this uh, bonus podcast today, yes. uh, having you in town, I, I had to get you in the seat. Yeah. Just get your feedback on that as well. No, brother. I appreciate it. And I'm you know, honored to be in this seat, you know, Thank and you. Uh, it's been a journey for me. I, I started a nonprofit when I was 19. Okay. And my goal was to, you know, one day get to that top seat and lead a major nonprofit that's doing great work. Uh, not just to lead it, but to, you know, have a big influence on helping young people who look like me. Yes. And you look at not just our network, you look at Boys and Girls Club, you yes. look at communities and schools. I've worked with them. They do great work. Uh, they all, we all struggle with diversity. And these are the main organizations serving black and brown kids in the country. These are That's the right. largest, millions of kids. Millions. Millions. And um, at the leadership levels, it's, it's a challenge, and it continues to be. So um, there are some shining stars like you and me, but overall it's just a, it's continuing to be a big challenge across our network and many other youth-serving organizations. And what do you think uh, in terms of, and obviously this is not an easy answer, but yeah. I need to throw it out there anyway. What are some things you think organizations, I mean, national organizations that are primarily serving black and brown children, uh, the disparity in leadership is one area to look at. Disparity on boards is another area to look at. What are some other things that can you think, Kwame, that can be done to just help mitigate some of these voids so that kids can look at not only the business side, but also recognize those folks uh as to what they can be when they grow up as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, nonprofits, when they recruit, um, they don't necessarily look for individuals they may have served at one point. That's interesting. You know, uh, for example, we have three staff who were littles at one point now on our staff. Excellent. And um, I think we just don't need to look at kids that we serve as receiving services all the time, but as look at them as assets, as allies, as friends, and uh, potential employees. Uh, And I think if we start looking at it that way, we'll recruit a different skill set and have not only folks who are more diverse, but also individuals who, um, you know, experience some of the challenges that we're trying to solve. I think, you know, individuals who've been through a situation are much more, I think, poised and have expertise to solve something that someone who may not have have done that. Brother, that is, an, that is incredible. When I think about that, I'm going to make sure not only I write that down, but I lock that into long-term memory. Yeah. So the alumni become employees. Yes. The, and, and I think it's, there's two schools of thought. 
We can look at it from a savior complex yeah. where these poor kids that we are helping, mm-hmm. as opposed to these incredible kids with potential yeah. that we can assist, guide, support, all the things that a mentor does. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to fix these kids. We need to support them, let them shine to their greatest possible future. And that future may include being an employee and maybe one day being CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Atlanta, Miami, and any other uh, local organization. Exactly. And I I think they'll have solutions that someone who may not have been through what they've been through have, you know, and they, I think their passion, their dedication will be there at a, at a whole, at a higher, much higher level than someone who, which is fine, went to school to study social work, et cetera, and now is working in whatever sector, but an individual who's been through some of these challenges and been in a program and now, you know, have, have had success, I think would be a great person to have on the team. And speaking of success, there's a value proposition. And see, I want to make sure everybody that's listening, the Game of Life podcast is not a sports podcast, yeah. but it's metaphoric, the Game of Life, yes. where everybody makes the team. Everybody's you know, again, we're in this human race, yes. but how you play is up to you. Yes. I'm here on the, on the show with the CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Atlanta, Kwame Johnson, who's doing an excellent job. He's a student of the game. You, know, you send me emails, questions, and I'm going to start charging you too, brother. Uh, but <laughs> it just it's so good to share notes because yes. we learn from each other. Yes. But here's the thing I want everybody listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the social media platforms. There's a business proposition, a value proposition of having the right people in the room. Yes. See, oftentimes, even if I'm a do- the donors that are listening in Atlanta, in Miami, and across this beautiful nation, there's a value proposition. It makes good business sense to have diversity. And so lest we forget, it's easy to say we're helping these kids. Well, no, when these kids grow up, and you look at the consumer base of black and brown folks. Yes. If you're running a business, you better pay attention to the reality of the census, yes. the reality of demographics, the reality of the dollar. So here's my point. Kwame, when you think about the value proposition of what you just said, yeah. alumni to employees, and what better way for a donor to hear from an employee but someone that says, I'm also a product mm-hmm. of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Yes. Talk to us. Man, it's, it's powerful. You know, if you could paint that picture over a thousand times across all of our agencies, wow. just imagine, you know, we serve, a f- you know, a few hundred thousand kids across the country. That's right. You know, I think we could make major changes in cities all around the country. Um, you know, so that's something we're intentional about. You know, we're, we're setting up an uh, alumni network Good. where we can tap into young folks who not only, you know, went through our program in Atlanta, but in other places who may now live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing here in Miami. And uh, I think they're just a great asset. That, uh, on a number of levels outside of just, in, you know, having them come on as employees, uh, just being connected to the organization. But I definitely see the value proposition. And uh, I think a lot of employers are starting to see that as well. You know, Atlanta is corporate candy land. Yes. All the companies are there, you know, and it's something Atlanta struggles with where you have um, all these opportunities, all these big businesses, small businesses, uh, but a, a huge population of minorities living in poverty and that coexists in Atlanta. And uh, I think a lot of the employers there are now starting to see that we need to focus on how to get, you know, more people who are born here, who were born into a certain zip code, born into poverty, into jobs and and get them prepared to be successful citizens uh, and be able to contribute like anybody else. No doubt about it. And when I think about just personally, Kwame, and I share this all the time as, as appropriate on the show, and this show was designed, the reason I set this show up is to 
talk to donors, mm-hmm. alumni, yeah. current little brothers, little sisters, current bigs, big brothers, big sisters, if you will, but also community leaders like mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. to allow people to understand that every one of us has been mentored at one stage or another. Yes. When I think about growing up, I grew up in inner city of Toledo, Ohio. Shout out to the city of Toledo, University of Toledo, Bowser High School. I mean, that was my upbringing. Yeah. A mom that worked two jobs. She worked in the office during the day. She cleaned the same offices mm-hmm. after work to yeah. make ends meet for me and my brother. Yeah. So as I tell you, as I share my personal story somewhat, uh, but I didn't grow up with that father. Yeah. My dad and my parents divorced when I was two. Yeah. So the need for that positive male role model, and I had that through sports, had it through my uncles, but there's so many kids, black and brown kids, who need that positive male role model. Uh, and it's just such a pleasure to, and I tell people all the time, they say, congratulations on being president and CEO. Bottom line, I work for the kids. We work mm-hmm. for the kids, Kwame. Yeah. So who mentored you growing up, brother? Tell us a little bit about your personal story. Yeah, you know, so I, you know, I've had a number of mentors throughout my life, but yes. one that comes to mind in particular is my track coach, you know, growing up. You know, I think those years when you're younger <laughs> are the most formal years, you yes. know. Unlike you, I had both my parents in the household. My okay. mother was a, a nurse by trade, also was involved in the school system, was on the school board. My father's a teacher for 30-something years. Wow. You know, so. You better make good grades, brother. Yeah. You had no choice. Exactly. Well, you've been yeah. in the hospital being treated by the nurse. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my mother. <laughs> but, you know, you're both in, into that, you know. <laughs> and, and I tell people there's two types of people in the world. There's, there's a, You can let me know which one you are. There's folks who've uh, never rode on a stolen bike, and then there's folks who rode on a stolen bike. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't got to put it out there on the on the radio, but um, you know, I, I was a kid that made some bad decisions, and my, my mentor stepped in. You know, I was yes. seventeen in jail, seventeen yes. facing twenty years in prison. My goodness, uh, you know, doing dumb stuff, right? And uh, all the right examples around me, and almost threw my life away. You know, had to go away for a year. And um, the reason I do this work today is because of the young men I met in jail mm. who had no father figures. I met a young man named Alvin, who I think about all the time. And Alvin would get in trouble, go to go to the hole. I say, Alvin, man, why are you, you know, going to the hole, man? He said, Kwame, he said, your father comes to see you uh, every week. He said, my father's in the next unit, and I met him here for the first time. And that just stuck with me. So my mentor stepped in, helped me do my schoolwork behind bars, you know, go to college, get a track scholarship to Hampton, all these different things. My track coach, uh, Maynard, uh, was a big mentor in my life. But the reason I do this work is because of those young men I met in there. And I'm fortunate to be here, right? I'm fortunate to survive that and uh, go to college and, um, and and now work in the nonprofit sector trying to help young people not go down the same road I went down. Well, brother, we are, you know, the higher the risk, the higher the return. Too yeah. much is given, much is required. Yeah. As I think about both of those statements, yeah. uh, certainly growing up in inner city, and I will say to you, yeah. uh, I will go ahead and put it out there right now. <laughs> A few of the bikes I rode. <laughs> In inner city Toledo, Ohio, uh, riding on them weren't mine. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I'm you. thankful to have coaches and mentors yes. who said that's not the way to go. Yes. And it hit me when my bike was stolen. I had a candy apple red Schwinn, <laughs> ten speed. Yeah. That was you know we grew up in public housing, and yeah. so we finally had a place on Pinewood in Toledo, Ohio, in the hood, and we had a little garage like shed, yeah. and I, my uncle gave me the bicycle. And that bicycle was sitting in my garage. And seeing somebody, I seen another kid ride on that bicycle down the street. Mm-hmm. I cried like a baby. <laughs> so let's just say that was a turning point in my life. Yeah. So hanging out with the wrong crowd and is that your bike? Don't worry about it. Just get on yeah. and ride. So you made a decision. Yeah. Uh, and folks have made bad decisions. Yes. But at the end of the day, 
uh, look at what you're doing now. Look at what we're doing now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And inside, not only juvenile detention. See, I used to run I know. a boarding school for juvenile delinquent boys. Yeah. 99.9% of the boys in that facility were black and brown. Yes. This show today is dedicated to the face of leadership. Mm-hmm. There was no shortage of talent. There was no shortage of potential. Yeah. There was no shortage of leadership. But sadly, some of these gang leaders that I was working with and some that you met Mm-hmm. You know, while in you know, in there as well, huh. so these kids need to just they were just leading in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And once we tapped into that potential, showed them a better way. We set up, you know, somewhat a quasi mentoring program where some of the older heads or the kids who were seasoned mm-hmm. would then mentor some of the new kids. We our mascot was or the Falcons. The reason I mentioned that is mentoring takes place every day on the street, Kwame. Yes. yes but sadly in the wrong way, mm-hmm. but we have an opportunity. Yes. And so as we think about not only who mentored you, is the track coach still alive? By yeah, he is, Steve Mentor, yep, still alive. Have you said thank you, have you thanked him? Oh yeah, I thank him all the time, man. And uh, we're connected on Facebook and um, you know, he you know likes the different things I post and says keep going, That's keep pushing, excellent. you know, so yeah. And he was actually a white man, you know, white, white guy. Let me tell you something, yeah. see brother, if I were to, on Father's Day last year, I went to E.O. Bowser High School in Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. My track coach, white guy. Yeah. Ron Schlievert. Yes. On Father's Day, my brother was sitting at my dining room table. We were sitting there with our mother. And she said, I remember, I don't know, that man was so nice to my boys. Yeah. And so we looked up, found him, called his wife, answered the phone. I was just hoping and praying he was alive. Yeah. And we said, is Coach Schlievert there? Mm-hmm. And she held the phone. That was an uncomfortable five, ten seconds. It felt like an eternity. Yeah. Because I was hoping she wouldn't say, I'm sorry, he's no longer alive. And she said, Ron? And I just held the phone. Yeah. He got on the phone. I said, Coach, this is Gail Nelson and Rick Nelson. We want to just thank you for being that father figure for us. Yeah. So the face of leadership, even though people may not look like us, they can help us. We can help one another. So it's interesting that your track coach was one of your mentors. My track coach was like a dad mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And when he literally would, whether it's you need a ride somewhere, and we live in an age right now where it's just different, mm-hmm. but he was truly someone who was a mentor to me. So I'm glad you thank Coach yeah. Maynard. Is it Maynard? Maynard, Coach Maynard. And I think coaches are you know overlooked in so many communities in, in the roles they play. Whether it's a little junior league, you know, peewee football team or a track coach or a football coach or a yes. basketball these these men and women, you know, are playing instrumental roles in young people's lives every day, and they get overlooked. So I like to definitely shout out to the coaches of the of the of the world. We're gonna make sure this podcast yeah. goes to both of these coaches. So <laughs> Coach Maynard, Coach Lievert, you helped two young men along the way, and these two young men just happen to be running organizations in Atlanta and Miami, respectively. Last question for you, uh, Kwame: When we think about the face of leadership, the kids who see themselves as maybe not good enough. Kids, black and brown children, and all children need to achieve success in life, no question. But this show today is focused on so many kids. And when I think about the subtle bigotry of diminished expectations, too many black and brown children, boys and girls are being viewed as, or seen as, uh, that they just can't do it. And you can't be, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you can be anything you want to be. Uh, and so what is your message? You got open mic, brother. And so kids throughout the country, throughout the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America Federation, 
throughout our, our markets, respectively Atlanta and Miami. What's your message to those children out there? You know, I, you know, I think it's, it's be hopeful, right? Yes. Hope is the most powerful word I know. Uh, I think love and hope are neck and neck, but if I had to choose one, I'd choose hope because I've just seen too many young people mm. make it out of a situation because they were hopeful. I think too often we think we got to remove every barrier that someone is facing. We got to change who their parents are. We got to change who their neighbor, neighborhood is. We got to change their school. And the reality is that's just not possible, right? Kids are going to be in a tough situation. It's just what's going on in America is unfortunate. But what I've learned through this work for 15 years is if you can get a young person to be hopeful, they'll push through any of that. They'll push through all of that. They'll push through jail like I did, being in the hole and all the different stuff. If you're hopeful, and that can come through a mentor. So you know what? You're going to make it to college. You're yes, going to get this job. You're going to be able to do this. And that just that little sliver of hope will allow a young person to push through whatever situation they're going through um, to get to that next level. So my message is to be hopeful. Things can get better. There are tons of examples out there. Um, I'm trying to be out there to be example. And like I said, kids don't want to hear a sermon. They want to see one. Mm. You know, they want to see that it's possible. Show me that it's hopeful. Show me that I can have hope that I can make it to that next step. Don't show me some book or just like show me how I can do it through what you've been able to do. So I need all the other leaders out there who are listening to this, you know, to say, you know what, get out there and go go talk at a local high school. Go talk at a local park to some young people and show them that it's possible uh, to, to change their life and change their situation. Well, Brother Kwame, I am so thankful that you are in the seat that you are in, that you are helping lead the charge in Atlanta. I'm hopeful for the future of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. As we look at the face of leadership, shout out to our national CEO, Pam Iorio, uh, who's dedicated to seeing us move the needle with donors, with volunteers. Uh, and as we think about, and as Kwame said, to all the leaders out there, uh, everybody can lead, everybody can assist someone. Just take the time to tell a kid you can make it. Yes. And as I said at the gala on Saturday night, yeah, you've heard it said, it's not where you start, but where you finish. And every child deserves a chance at a better life no matter where they start. Mm -hmm. So the cost of doing nothing is far too high. Get involved. Uh, do what you can because all of us can be a part of the team in the game of life. That's a wrap for today. Happy to have my brother from Atlanta here with us today in the Boogie Live studio. Shout out to the Ivory Foundation for making it happen every day. We make beautiful music together. Let's go. Hey, this is Gail Nelson. This is the Game of Life.